I did a quick little look back in history. Before there was the countdown to Christmas, there was a season that many of you are probably familiar with called Advent. Advent in some way or another has been observed since about 380 A.D. 380, that's a, that's a long time. Most of you don't remember that starting, but some of you might. Um, it was a Tuesday. Um, it was a Sunday. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and the church traditionally, since about that time, for four weeks out from Christmas, has observed and marked this coming of Christ in the Incarnation, and at the same time has looked forward to the return of Christ at the final day. And since 380, if you do the math, that's about 1,800 years, give or take 100, because my math is really imprecise. So we'll go somewhere in there. The church has read texts like the text we're going to read today. Read the story about Mary, read the story about the angels and wise men and shepherds and people got dressed up in bathrobes and all these other things and came out and celebrated. And, and let's be honest, you, you don't leave a Christmas service surprised. You know, I've, I can't tell you the last time I was like, man, I've never heard that story before. I didn't know how it was going to end. You know, that doesn't happen that way at Christmas time. And so as we come to this season, this 1800 year old season, and we come to the same text that we've always come to in the past. We sort of run the risk of glossing right over the really important stuff. We kind of do the yada yada, Jesus was born, uh, amen, let's, let's do the Christmas thing. And we miss it. And so this morning, it's really my, my desperate hope that we would kind of reclaim Christmas, that we would, that we would reclaim this text. Uh, Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Uh, But this morning, why don't we open with prayer, uh, our time of studying God's Word, um, that we would have fresh eyes, uh, ears to hear and eyes to see. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts, our minds, that we would see this text with uh, the same fresh, life-giving spirit that wrote it. Lord, would the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, would they be pleasing to you? It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. Let's, let's start here in Luke. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and wondered what sort of greeting this might be. You you know, it's interesting. You can always tell when somebody wants something from you. Can't you? Right, Right in the very first opening line of the sentence, the conversation. Oh my goodness, you... You've lost weight. You look fantastic, so healthy and strong. You, you've gained 40 pounds. You only wear elastic waistbands now. I could, have never, I could have never guessed. You look fantastic. You're the kind of sturdy individual I need to help me move on Saturday. Maybe you could come. You know, preachers, we're the worst. I mean, we really are the worst. 
Are you, are you feeling holy today? You look holy. You look so spiritual. You look like you want to serve Jesus. Do you want to serve Jesus? Great. Jesus wants you to serve in the nursery. He told me this morning. You know, that, that's how it goes. You know, you know how, you know, if somebody wants something from you just by the way they say hi. And, and Mary, it says, is, is perplexed. She's troubled. She goes, what sort of greeting is this? What do you want from me, angel? You've got to want something. Nobody comes in here and says, greetings, favored one. The Lord likes you. What does he want? And the angel hears about, you know how the story goes. It's not a surprise. You know how the story goes. The angel's about to ask her to, to enter into what is undoubtedly going to be the greatest crisis of her life this far. He's going to ask her to do the most difficult thing that she's ever done, ever in her life. She's going to bear this child nine months, uh, divinely conceived uh, by the Holy Spirit, and then she's going to have to deal the rest of her life with this. This is, this is a big thing that the angel's asking. This isn't, can you help me move? Can you, can you put something together for the bake sale, Mary? This is a little bit bigger than that. And it's funny, all of these things come together. I mean, think about all the things that are coming together. You've got a pregnancy. That that's kind of brings crisis, you know. It, it, even if you're expecting it, there's still, I mean, it's just crazy. Pregnancies are crazy. And having children, it gets crazier. And, and then you've got holidays. Man, holidays stress people out, don't they? They sort of take a good crisis and make it even better. You know, holidays are fantastic that way. And so you've got the pregnancy, you've got the crisis, and then you've got angels. I don't know about you, but I think I'd really be stressed out if an angel showed up to visit with me. You know, there's a reason they're always saying, don't be afraid, because you are. And, and so you've got all of these things kind of coming together. The pregnancy, you know, the holidays, the angels. I mean, you, you know how it is. You've you got a strained family relationship. Now the holidays are coming up. My goodness, it's going to make it worse. You know, you're, you're pregnant maybe, and you, you weren't planning on it. Now all of a sudden you got a crisis. Well, you're pregnant, you weren't planning on it, and now it's a holiday. And you got to see the whole family. you got an even bigger crisis. Mary's dealing with all of this. And besides, she's seen an angel. Who's she going to go tell about that? It's a big crisis. And, and yet it's the same angel that tells her that she's going to go through all of this hopelessness. It's the same angel that gives her a message of hope. I don't know about you. I don't know what, what you're dealing with today. I know the holidays are coming up. Maybe for you, this is a stressful time. Maybe it's the first holiday without somebody. Maybe this is the first holiday in a new place. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with a pregnancy. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you've got some sort of crisis. And I want you to know that the, the same encouraging words the angel had for Mary, I think, are as appropriate and relevant for us today. Now, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I've read this account with Mary a lot, and, and I, I've appreciated it, but I've not fully understood it. I, I, I enjoy it kind of the way that you, you go to an art museum, and it's hanging in the art museum, and you think, I should appreciate this, because here this is, selected of the bazillion pieces of art in the world, and it's hanging in this art museum, and yet you look at it and you go, I don't really understand it. I don't get it. And you're thinking to yourself, how long do I have to stand here and look at this to appear somewhat educated about art before I can move on to the food court and get myself a hot dog? I mean, that's kind of what you're thinking. And, and I felt this way looking at the story of Mary. You know, I appreciate it. I look at it, but I don't know that I fully get it. I don't know that I 
fully resonate with us. I mean, Mary and, and me, we, we've got a lot of differences. I mean, she's this, this young girl, lived like 2,000 years ago. She's this virgin who has a baby divinely conceived by the Holy Spirit. Again, not something I have personal experience with. Has this child in a stable. Uh, you know, again, not, you know, we're, we're lacking, you know, common ground here. We're, we're not getting anywhere, Mary and me. And yet this morning, I want you to know that, that the words of Mary, the angel speaks, I, I think can give us all encouragements and hope. And, and here's the main reason for that is, is that the text really isn't about Mary. Mary's big in here. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Mary's big in this text, but she's not the main character. You know, we kind of follow one of two errors. One is we make Mary so far kind of beyond us. That we can't really approach her and understand her. The other one is we just kind of sweep her under the rug and say, yeah, she, yeah, she, she bore Jesus. You know, but Jesus is the big deal. And yet in this text, Mary's a big character. She, she plays a huge role. But she's not the main character. She's the main supporting character. The Holy Spirit, he's the one that's, that's the, the, the headliner in this text. He's the main character. He, he's the one that comes... To be with Mary in the midst of all of this. And this is why the angel in verse 28 says, The Lord is with you. Mary, in the midst of this soon-to-be crisis, this nine-month crisis, and then the rest of your life crisis, you're going to flee to Egypt, you've got all these things going on, but we don't have time to talk about that right now, Mary. The Lord is with you. And so this morning, if you've come here with a crisis, I don't know what it is, I want you to know that. I want you to know that the Lord is with you. This is not a unique greeting to Mary. Okay? This may be the first time this is said in the New Testament. But this is not the first time this is said. This greeting is said a lot in the Old Testament. It is said frequently to people who are about to undertake something really, really difficult. As a matter of fact, this text often shows up before a king or a leader is going into war. And the odds seem stacked against them. Somebody will come to them. Maybe it's an angel. Maybe it's another person of God. Maybe it's a prophet or priest. Will come to them and say, take heart. Victory is yours. God is with you. The Lord is with you. And Joshua gets this statement. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He gets this encouragement to be strong and courageous all the time. And what is he about to embark on? He's about to embark on war. If there was ever a great crisis, a chance to lose hope, war is that opportunity. And yet he's told to be strong and courageous. Why? It's not because he's that clever. It's not because the army's that good. It's not because the odds are in their favor. Well, they are. Why? Because the Lord is with you. Be strong and courageous, Joshua, because the Lord is with you. And this morning, the Lord is with you also. Whatever challenges you're facing, whatever place God's leading to you, that the numbers don't seem to add up and the plan doesn't seem to quite work out or get to the end, and yet you know this is what God is calling me to do, I want you to know you can take heart because the Lord is with you. And because the Lord is with you, you don't have to be afraid. Let's continue in the text here. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. It says, The angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. Hold on to that. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. No pressure. Okay, Mary, no, no pressure. I mean, he's going to reign forever. This is God's son. But don't be afraid. Why shouldn't she be afraid? This would be a perfect opportunity to be afraid. I mean, this isn't a society before there is WIC, before there is child support, before there is any sort of social safety net that's going to protect her. There are serious social repercussions for a woman who has a child out of wedlock at this point in time. And Matthew, the text tells us that Joseph is thinking about putting her away quietly. If there was ever a time to be afraid, this would really be an ideal time to be afraid. But the angel said, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You know, Jesus sort of tells us the same thing in Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Let's, let's put that up here on the screen. In Luke 12, 4 through 7, it says this, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. But even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not be afraid. For you are all of more value than many sparrows. Wow. Jesus here gives us an incredible word of comfort, doesn't he? He says, don't be afraid. Because if God knows about all these little birds that, that fall to the ground dead, he knows all of them that do. He says, and if he knows all of the number of the hairs in your head, do not think that God is not delighting in you. Don't be afraid. D don't be afraid of people. They may bring you trial, but the real person that's going to judge you is God. So live your life for Him. Don't be afraid of them. But God isn't just a judge. He's a friend. If we could even dare say that, but we can. Hebrews 4.16 says that we have found favor, grace. That's the word here, grace, with God through Christ. James chapter 3, 23 tells us that Abraham through faith was called a friend of God. It was called a friend of God. And Luke 2.52 says this, is that Jesus increased in divine and human favor. Well, what does that mean? We don't use the word favor a lot, do we? I mean, we don't. I mean, we might say, oh, I favor you other, you know, over this or that, or I favor this, but we don't even say that I like this. And that's really what this means, isn't it? It says Jesus grew in divine and human favor. What it means is that People liked Jesus. They liked him. God liked him. I mean, yeah, he loved him, but he, he liked him. He just liked him. And the angel is saying to Mary, she said, listen, God's with you. He likes you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. God is with you and he likes you. Even more than that, he's crazy about you. Brendan Manning in the Ragamuffin Gospel says this. says, God wants us back even more than we could possibly want to be back. Now, I don't know about you, but I, could, oh, I, 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 I want to be back with God an awful lot. 
But if you read through the testimony of the prophets and you read through the testimony of the, the story like the prodigal son and you just look at what God did in sending Christ to us, it becomes very clear that God wants us back more than we want to be back. And so church, there, there's nothing that we have to be afraid of because God is with us. He likes us. We don't have to be afraid. I don't know what crisis you're facing or, or what you're dealing with, but according to Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 13, we see that in Christ we are now considered sons of God. Who is it that is liked more than the children of the parents? Who is it that has more favor with the Father than their own children? Church, I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want you to know that God is with you. That you don't have to be afraid because God likes you. God likes you. And if this wasn't enough, the angel goes on to tell Mary something else pretty incredible. Let's pick up in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, she said, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Hold on to that phrase. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. I want to look at one more verse just real quick. Acts 1.8. Luke writes both of these texts. Jesus' words to the disciples and us is this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Do you get that? That's almost the same thing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was looking forward to the coming of the Spirit. In John chapter 14, he tells the disciples, he says, Hey, listen, you're going to do even greater things than what you've seen me do. Because the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. You see, church, if it wasn't enough that God liked us and that we didn't have to be afraid because He was always going to be with us, what, what the angel tells Mary is the same for us, is that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and that together you can face the impossible. You can. You really, really can. I, I used to think I didn't have much in common with Mary. But it was that verse. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. I used to think to myself that that was this unique event for Mary. That, that it made her special. And it did. That it sort of gave her this halo. And that she was sort of now like extra, extra holy special. Because the Holy Spirit came upon her and power overshadowed her from on high. And then it, it dawned on me that that's the same thing that Jesus said was going to happen to all the people that come to know Christ. He said, listen, you come to me. You have faith in me, and the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and, and God's power's going to come on you. And it dawned on me, man, Mary's really an example. I, I, I don't want to push it too much, but I mean, if the Holy Spirit came on her and the Holy Spirit comes on us, what's growing inside of us but a, a life of Christ-likeness? In the church... We're called the body of Christ. You see, church, the, the spirits come on us. Christ is growing even inside of us. And if Mary had the strength to face all that she had to face, let me tell you, we can take hope because the same God that was with Mary 
The same Holy Spirit that gave her power and strength and comfort is the same Holy Spirit in God that is with us today. We have that hope. Because that Holy Spirit is with us. Let me tell you what we can all learn from Mary. It's there for you in verse 38. She says, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. You know, it's interesting that the angel waits. There's this kind of great pause in, in this narrative. Because the angel, I think, is waiting for Mary's consent to this. If you look through history, God doesn't really force himself on people. He invites people into partnership. He invites people into service. He, he, he's pretty persuasive. I'm not going to say he's not. He's pretty persuasive, even more than, hey, I think you've lost 40 pounds. You know, God's got better things in store for you. But God's pretty persuasive, yet he doesn't force himself on anybody. The angel doesn't come to Mary and say, hey, listen, I just wanted to keep you in the loop. Um, you're going to be pregnant. Here, you have a baby in like nine months. Uh, don't, don't be worried about that. It's, it's part of God's plan. Uh, I'll, I'll check in with you from time to time, make sure things are going okay. All right, see, see you later. It's, it's not that. It's not, hey, memo from God to Mary, you're, you're pregnant. Uh, and, and, and I did it, and, and it's okay. You know, don't be afraid about this. It's normal. No, no, no. He, he's inviting her into this. And what is her response? She says, here am I. I am the servant of the Lord. I am the, the old text used to say, the bond slave or the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And so this morning, I suppose that same invitation is there for all of us, right? God's come in his word and, and through Christ. And he said, listen, I'm with you. I like you. And together, I want to do impossible things with you through the Holy Spirit. And what is your response going to be? Maybe you're facing a faith challenge and you're thinking, okay, God, we'll give it a, a trial period. You know, let, let's go like, like, you know, 90 days, okay? We go 90 days, we see how it's working. If it works, we stay. If it doesn't, I'm out. You're facing a, a crisis in your life and you're thinking, I really like to hand this over to God and have faith in Him. But I don't know if it's really going to work out. So you're thinking, okay, God, here's the deal. I'm going to give 50% of this crisis to you. Here's the things I think you can handle. You do a good job with that, and then I'll give you the rest of it, okay? And, and we kind of work with God sort of in this negotiation. Mary doesn't say that. She says, here I am. And who am I? I'm, I'm the slave of the Lord. May it be to me according to your word. Church, is that going to be your response? God has said, he said, listen, I'm with you. I like you. You don't have to be afraid. Because together we can do the impossible. What is your response going to be to that? Uh, we'll have our worship team come up. And perhaps you need to respond to that. And you need to say, you know what, I've never received Christ. Uh, the Spirit's never come upon me. And I want you to know that Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, is this moving picture of God. It, it says that, that Christ is, is like standing at the door, knocking. And what is He waiting for but for you to open the door? Because God doesn't kick the door down on anybody. This morning, if you need to open the door to Christ, we'll invite you to come forward and receive Him.